Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of Be My Beard Podcast. Um, this week's episode does require trigger warning. We talk about things like mental illness, child abuse, sexual assault, domestic abuse, rape, and self-harm. Please shut us off if this episode will negatively affect you. You are important and we really do care about you. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Be My Beard Podcast. Today, we're going to switch things up a little bit. We're going to have our two co-hosts that are co-hosting with me introduce themselves really quick, and then we're going to go over who our interviewee is this week. Michaels, take it away. Surprise, it's me again. You might remember me as Robert Michael Miranda III. I'm still Robert Michael Miranda III, and my pronouns are still the he series. Hi, I'm also Michael, but the smaller Michael, arguably the better Michael, also arguably the real Michael, as my first name is Michael and not Robert. I'm also present and here for this interview. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) All right. Who the fuck are you? Who the hell do you think you are? Hi. So I'll in the special guest today. I'm Izzy. My pronouns are she, her. You may know me from hosting this podcast. <laughs> We're going to switch it up a little bit today, and I'm going to tell my story. Great. And the Michaels are going to help Klaus do that, because as we all know, Klaus doesn't talk enough in this podcast, so we need somebody else. Well, we've all been wondering who the hell you both are, so you know, <laughs> this is great. Um, to hear all the stuff. That's really neat. know what to do with that but thank you so um okay you why are you (laughs) why Ooh. so i was thinking of just like i start most interviews with i'm gonna start with baby izzy and we're just gonna go from there i have a laundry list of fucked up traumatic events so we're just gonna do we want to do we want to build up to that with some basic knowledge, or do you want to just like dive right in? Yeah, let's build up. What so, day were you born? What year? What time? What is your sign and your entire chart? Do we also, go yeah, I think that informs a lot of who your character is. And for all those listening that follow the astrological charts and the stars, they'll know that things about you. <laughs> Um, I'm a stereotypical Aquarius. It's very perfect. So I was born January 27th, 1994 at 7.36am in Spokane, Washington. So for all you astrology buffs, you can figure it out for yourself, but I'm also going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an Aquarius ascendant, Mercury, Saturn, Sun, and Venus. I'm a Leo moon. I have a Scorpio, Jupiter, and Pluto. I have a Capricorn, Neptune, Uranus, and Mars. So hella logical hella analytical and then that leo throws in a little pride ego boost to just make it real fun that's great i'm a capricorn can you tell us about spokane washington were you born there i was born there okay so i was born and raised in spokane washington i lived in the same area for the first 20 years of my life um we never moved it was in this small area called millwood and I went to West Valley High School. It was all 
fine, I guess. Um, Spokane is the second largest city in Washington, but you wouldn't know it if you were there because it's like a rural metropolitan area. So it's like really spread out. So like for a little while, I was a nanny on a horse farm that was 10 minutes from the mall. Did you nanny the horses? I wish. No, I nannied the bratty children. Um, The horses would have been so much more fun. Can you say the word bag? Okay, I have an accent, and I say A sounds, like A-G sounds with an E, because my mom grew up in Michigan, is my guess, so I do that weird. It's not a Spokane thing, it's a me thing. So, big, rig, tig, Canada. With that accent, I was looking at the way that Spokane is spelled, and there's an E at the end, which might lead people to think that it's pronounced Spokane. Yes, it's not pronounced Spokane. It's called Spokane, but it was the name of the native tribe. Do you sometimes feel like you Spokant? Yes. I I can Spokant all the time. It's also called Spokandy Land or Methlehem when you're feeling frisky. So tell us more about your upbringing all right yes we're gonna so i kind of want to do this relatively chronological because it's like makes the most sense that way um i also had like a series of like spiritual events that have led me to where i am spiritually that happened along with all the trauma so i was thinking i could do those side by side i feel like you're trying really hard to control your story and i I really don't want to let you. I think we should just let her tell the story. No, 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 no. I want to interrupt you as much as possible so that we can get this as naturally as possible. Okay. It's, I'm also an Aquarius. <laughs> we do things very logically. I've, yeah, I've had it in my head for months now. That's fantastic. Yeah, but I'm excited to see how you try to derail this. <laughs> I winked. <laughs> very suggestively. <laughs> All right. Isabel Merritt McTeer was born. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. So Izzy wrote an autobiography and would like to read it all to you on this audiobook episode of Be My Beard. (laughs) Pretty much. All right. Like I said, born January 27th, 7.36 a.m. My mom always said that, like, I started crying as soon as, like, the sun rose. And that was, like... I don't fucking know. Symbolic of my life and whatever. Kind of like a rooster. Yeah, precisely. I am literally a rooster. That's a perfect analogy. Um, A big big old cock. (laughs) I fucking hate you. All right. So. Anyway, you were born. I was born. I was born on a Thursday and there's this old nursery rhyme that Thursday's child is full of woe. And my mom used to tell me that all the time. I also was born on a Thursday. Whoa. <laughs> Were you also born on a Thursday, Michael? <laughs> Holy Thursday. That would hurt. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Audience, I know not the day in which I was born. However, I am doubtful that it was on a Thursday. <laughs> because you are not full of woe. All right. So you're full of woe. Full of woe. My mom didn't have a very good childhood. And so... Instead of, like, handling that in a healthy way, she decided that she was going to have children and that she was going to show her parents how it was done. It was a vengeance thing. So you mentioned that she moved from Michigan to Spokane. She No. Oh, God. My mom moved. Were you born on Thursday? (laughs) (laughs) 
Tall Michael was also born on Thursday. Klaus is checking right now. Um, my mom actually went to five different kindergartens. And because part of why her parents were shitty parents is that they moved a lot. They were 20 years old. Oh, yeah. yikes. So they were young and in college, and this was the 60s. So they moved oh, a lot. Oh, my God. Were you born on a Thursday? I was born on a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all children of now. woe. I need to confirm. <laughs> we're all children of woe. Um, so my mom moved a lot because her my grandfather was um, – Getting his college degree. Were you actually born on a Thursday? Okay. So we're all Thursday full of woe. Fuck, I'm so depressed. <laughs> wow. Um, she ended up moving to Spokane because she met my dad. She lived in LA. She worked, or at this time she was living in Idaho and then met my dad at a truck stop because he's a truck driver. And then they moved to Spokane. A fun fact about Idaho, they have a potato that you can rent out as a hotel. Thank you. You're welcome. How old were your parents when they met? Older. I thought I thought you said that they had you when she was 20. No, no, no. That was my mom's parents. Oh. And so, no, my parents met when they were older. I don't do math well, but my mom was 40 when she had my brother, and he's seven years younger than me, and my... So they were so 30. She was... 30. They were 30 when okay. they got married. <laughs> so they were already like older. And my dad's seven years older than my mom. What was she doing at the truck stop? A crossword puzzle. This is also a small town in Idaho. The truck stop is like where you'd go to. There was like a restaurant in the, the truck, truck stop. stop is the place. So she wasn't like a lot lizard is what I'm getting no, at. No, she was not. No. Okay. No. Not to imply your mom's a whore, but just wanted to she confirm. Is. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that because those are her, like, secrets to tell. Um, But we're going to talk about the fun things she taught me about sex later. Okay, so my mom wanted kids out of vengeance, not for any, like, real genuine reason. Or, I I don't know, to, like, love your kids. Um, So... Our, my whole childhood was very much built around the fact that mm. I needed to be the perfect child because that would mean she was being a perfect parent, which would mean she was being better than her parents and she can show them up. Do you know your mom's astrological sign and why she's crazy? Is she a Gemini? Okay, my mom's a Virgo. I've noticed that you're describing your mother a little bit more than your father. We'll get to my dad in a second. All right, so my mom was like the traditional quote-unquote father figure. She worked more. She had a quote-unquote career. She um, she literally wore pantsuits. Like, um, she was a man's man. Yeah, she was a disciplinarian. She was the one that, like, you know, laid down the law, like, did the rules. And everything she parented was out of parenting books. She never did anything by intuition or anything like that. It was all like, well, what does the parenting book say I'm supposed to do in this situation? My dad loved me yeah she needed the book to figure it out for her is what Klaus just said not in the microphone (laughs) um my dad loved me like from the beginning genuinely beautifully just loved me and I was a total daddy's girl he was like my rock like through everything past tense we'll get there again chronological order is better We'll get there. Oh. 
Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. We'll get there apparently. (laughs) All right. Yes. So, one really incredible thing that happened when I was an infant, I was six months old. My grandfather was volunteering with an indigenous tribe in Northern California. And he talked to the shaman and asked if the shaman would do a welcome to earth ceremony for me in a sweat lodge. The shaman was like really hesitant because they don't do that for white babies. And, but after he like talked to some people and thought about it and what he called conferring with the ancestors, he decided that he'd do it. Is your father indigenous? It's debated in the family of if my grandfather and I are indigenous or not. My great grandmother like spent time on a reservation raised by family members, but my grandfather took a DNA test and it says no. So we're kind of unclear about what all that means. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm white. Like moral of the story, I guess. If there's any left, there's not enough for it to matter. Um and so we did the coming of earth coming to earth ceremony, which is in a sweat lodge. I was an infant. The shaman like put earth on my feet, like Mother Earth type stuff. And it was like supposed to be a very like grounding ceremony. And from what I've heard from my grandfather and my mom and the other people that were there and my dad is that there was a moment in the middle of the ceremony where he held me up and looked into my eyes and he said, so powerful, talking about me and I count that as like my first spiritual experience. I think that it like in some ways set me on a path that I'm still following. I think he was pretty right about that one because you're probably one of the most powerful women I know. And that's not just because of your boobs. Yeah. You sent me on a lunch one time. (laughs) (laughs) But no, that's, that's honestly, that's remarkable that's fucking beautiful yeah it was a really beautiful thing are ceremonies such as these normally held in a sweat lodge or is they're called sweat ceremonies and the rocks are actually like ancient rocks that they have passed down through generations and they heat those rocks and they call those rocks their ancestors and they like when somebody dies they have a sweat when somebody comes of age they have a sweat and so heating those rocks and stuff is like sharing with the tribe of who's come before as well so it's like everybody who's come through the tribe has had contact with these rocks. That's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Um, so that's my first spiritual experience. So in childhood, we're going to jump ahead a little bit to when I was five. My, It was August of 99. I was about to start kindergarten. My... I was in daycare because my mom worked and my dad was a truck driver, so... You know, there was always the still had to go to daycare, which like I loved. All my friends were there and everything. Um, And a bunch of kids at the daycare were getting chicken pox. So my mom. So they weren't vaccinated? No, this was also 99. The vaccine was relatively new and it only lasted for seven years, which is why my mom chose not to vaccinate me. My mom, in her infinite wisdom, she is a very smart woman, but... She thought that it would be better if I got chicken pox in the summer so that way I wouldn't miss any school because 
missing kindergarten will greatly affect my future. Um, I guess that's the other thing I should add is that the most important thing in my family without any question is being intelligent. You want to be perceived as intelligent. You want to talk like you're intelligent. You want everyone to think you're the smartest person in the room at all times. Do you think that their definition of intelligence matches yours now? No, absolutely not. Um, I would argue smart versus intelligent. And there's also something to be said about how you're perceived versus what's real. I also don't think intelligence is quantifiable. But it was very important to my mom. So, like, and the IQ test was very important. But, so she wanted me to get chicken pox before I started kindergarten. So she let me play. She told the people at the daycare, let Izzy play with the kids who have chicken pox. Like, put her in the chicken pox room. <laughs> what? No, I'm, stupid. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Wow. It was totally a thing that some people did, yeah. like, without a doubt. No, I believe it. But, like, hearing it, it's like, okay, go put her in the disease room Is so that, she gets a little some-some. Is that ethical? I don't know. Can you... S- it was it was 99 i the rules were looser i don't know anyway um i get chicken pox i get very sick um i go to daycare with chicken pox because they have the chicken pox room my best friend also had chicken pox at daycare i was fine with it so chicken pox was in yeah chicken pox was it was all thing. the rage okay um there was a chicken pox on my left shoulder that got infected so they can get infected oh honey this story is about to get real they're gross sores. they're, they're like open, open sores chicken pox are literally open sores i don't know body. if i've ever had chicken pox if you're Maybe gonna your be my pcp you need you. to know stuff like this <laughs> your pcp is my bussy not me specifically <laughs> anyway go on with your story. all right so a chicken pox on my shoulder my left shoulder gets infected yeah this is a great dynamic um it gets infected my mom gives me ibuprofen. I'm in extreme agony. I half remember this. I'm sitting on the couch and I'm just silently sobbing, but I'm five. Five-year-olds don't really like silently sob when they're in pain. How my mom tells the story, which is so that way she's the hero because that's all how all her stories are told, is that she looked into my eyes and I wasn't looking back at her. Which is probably accurate. I was going into shock. They Are you telling this story from memory? You remember all of this? Or is this from what you've been told? Both. Okay. It's a mix. I have always... I guess I should like quantify this. That like I have always been very interested in inner work. I've always been interested in like my own work. Like therapy, spirituality, things like that. And something that's always been important to me is like knowing and understanding my traumas and my past and my history and who it's made me today. So I have gotten these stories from different people. I've spent my whole life collecting stories of my life because then sometimes I don't trust myself as a narrator. We'll get to that later too. That's like scrapbooking, but in your mind. It's exactly scrapbooking in my mind. So I'm in agony. My mom calls the doctor. The doctor says, oh, um, If it continues to get worse, like, wait till the morning. If it's worse, take her to the hospital. My mom thinks that I need to go right then. She decides that. She says that I'm looking at her, but I'm not seeing her. Um, So she 
she and my dad, we get in the car. I remember I got to sit in the front seat of my mom's lap and she held me, which was like a big deal. I didn't have to sit in my car seat, but it's because my neck and my back were so swollen that I couldn't sit in a car seat. Apparently, it was starting to look like someone had like shoved a football between my neck and my shoulder. Like that's how swollen it was. You couldn't see it anymore. Like the definition of my neck. So I get to the hospital. They have no idea what's wrong. They put me on a battery of antibiotics. They're clueless. They can't figure it out. A doctor comes in. He's making his final rounds. And he is looking at, you know, looking at me, looking at my chart, sees that my mom gave me ibuprofen. And he says, I just came back from a conference about this in Seattle. She has necrotizing fasciitis. Necrotizing fasciitis is a flesh-eating bacteria. The flesh-eating bacteria. The flesh-eating bacteria. And it kills you very rapidly. If my mom had waited till morning, I would not have survived, is the moral of the story. So in comes her heroism. In comes her heroism. Even though she induced the pain to begin with? Yeah. Um, (laughs) So that's a theme with my mom, as we'll learn. Um, Inducing the pain and then claiming... The role of the hero. Mm-hmm. Hot. Yeah. There's a word for that. What is it called? Oh, there is a... Narcissism? No, 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 no. no there's totally a word. Sick, so that way you can take care oh, of that's that. Munchausen's by proxy or factitious disorder by proxy, but she didn't have that. She wasn't purposefully making me sick. Um, but she does do like superhero type syndrome shit. Um, but anyway, This is my second spiritual experience. That was beautiful. Thank you. I'm so Um, sorry. This was my second spiritual experience because while they were figuring out what was wrong with me, I quickly went into shock and I actually like stopped. My heart stopped for a little bit. I had that near-death experience. They had to, you know, resuscitate me with the paddles. Don't doubt yourself. Don't doubt myself. Um, So you got defibrillated. Yes. Thank you. And while that was happening, I like clearly remember, and people are going to think I'm full of shit and I don't give a fuck. Um, Your journey is your journey. Yes. I clearly remember looking down at my tiny little body in this giant hospital bed and all the people rushing around. And... I clearly remember thinking, just like with exhaustion, like, well, that was fast. Like, that was such a fast life. Like, okay. And then I clearly remember something saying, not quite yet. And then everything went black. I was rushed into surgery. My parents signed the waivers so that way they could amputate my arm if they needed to, my left arm. For the listeners who have not met Izzy, she has two arms. <laughs> yes. Um, so that are both real. Yes. And hot. Thank you. They are hot arms. <laughs> Please go on. <laughs> so um, I actually was extremely lucky. I didn't lose any muscle mass and I didn't lose any limbs. And that is actually statistically non-existent. So I don't statistically exist, which is just something I really like about my life. I don't know anything about skin grafting. I have a scar. You know, it's this is all, graft. for me, particularly kind of remarkable. It reminds me of, you said it was called a, was it a welcome to earth ceremony? Yes. Or your father? My you grandfather. Said, your grandfather said that you were, you know, so powerful. No, the shaman said that. The shaman said that. Yeah. So, like, it just, wow. Like, this 
these two instances really tie in with one another. Yeah, they tie in very much, which is why I also think it adds to my spiritual journey and my spiritual path. So I'm five. I'm in the hospital. I just had major surgery. I was in the hospital for 11 days. I had a total of five surgeries. I have a giant scar. I have always wondered about that scar. Yeah, it's called debreeding. So what they were having to do is like, so they took out, initially they took out the bacteria, which is microscopic, but when they pulled it out, it literally was like the size of a quarter because of all the stuff it was collecting and eating off of my flesh. I got really lucky. It only ate my fascia, which is like the layer over the muscle. Well, no, it'll also go, what it does is it goes down limbs or it goes to your core and that's when you die. So for whatever reason, I got really lucky. Um, Series of crazy events. My mom deciding to take me to the hospital, that doctor walking in before he went home for vacation and having just come back from a conference about it and feeling confident enough to like do the surgeries. He was the sweetest doctor ever. And I have a lot of hard memories from that and I have a lot of beautiful memories with some really beautiful healthcare workers who like did everything they could to make that like fun for me even though it was like a not fun situation yeah being eaten alive can be made to be fun listeners yeah (laughs) do you feel like something's watching over you it's not that I feel like something I used to when I was little I used to think oh I have like a guardian or something um now I feel more like I have a path and I have a purpose and that it wasn't my time yet. As cliche as that sounds, it was like there's something else I'm supposed to be doing. So I, w- I like was supposed to survive. I don't think that's cliche. I think that we're literally all on this planet and in different areas of people's lives for a reason. Like every every single thing that happens in a person's life is influenced by one thing or another. And... Sometimes that one thing is you Mm -hmm. and you need to do that one thing or those many things to get someone else to where they need to be and vice versa. Completely. I completely agree with you. So I end up leaving the hospital three weeks before kindergarten's supposed to start. LOL, you still made it. (laughs) I Fuck. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Wow. My mom was very scared that I was not going to make kindergarten. Your power. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I did not miss a day of kindergarten. (laughs) Wow. So my mom got what she wanted. Uh, (laughs) Because she does. That's where I get that from. (laughs) Wow. Did she credit herself at all for you making it to kindergarten despite being eaten alive by something she caused oh of course she did because if it wasn't for her i'd be dead because she was the one that decided to take me to the hospital when the doctor said to wait till the morning so she also tells this story about how she was sitting in the waiting room and she just signed the paperwork for her daughter to have her arm amputated and she's looking through the magazines just not knowing what was gonna happen and there was an ad of a no there was a magazine ad with a crying teddy bear and it was for the chicken pox vaccine (laughs) and i was like yeah maybe you should have fucking vaccinated us like 
So for the listeners, if you are an anti-vaxxer, don't be, because that's dumb. It's very stupid. And your your child could be eaten alive by a bacteria and might have to have prosthetic arms or die. Yeah. So That was my public service announcement. All right. So once upon a time, not long ago, you almost died from chicken pox because your mom's irresponsible. But she thinks she's a hero. And that's cute for her, but not cute for you and your life story. But your power persevered. I'm wondering if that's maybe perhaps some kind of coping mechanism that your mom came up with. And that she turned it into like a story of heroism for herself. She's also a narcissist. I hear that narcissism plagues most white people. Is that something you would also say? I don't feel comfortable speaking for all white people. (laughs) Does it plague my family? Yes. So then it it makes sense what your mom did to you then. Like the way that she, I guess, yes. coped with it or spun the story. Do to... we, do I, should I just dive in, talk about? Do you think that your mom did it to you or do you think that what happened to you is a result of your mom's negligence? Because I think those are very different things. Are you asking me about my whole life? Or are you asking about that box. specific experience? Yeah, the specific experience. The time that something almost ate you. It was negligence on my mom's part. Okay. So then, moving forward chronologically, what comes next for young Izzy? Okay, so next for young Izzy is that I went through a near-death experience at five years old. And that's a lot for a five-year-old to deal with. Uh, I was, you know, in the hospital for 11 days, tube stuff. I still have scars from the IVs, like... And because, like you claim, you were more or less conscious throughout it. Like, you had that out-of-body experience. I remember, because of how trauma memories work, I remember vividly almost the entire 11 days that I was conscious in the hospital. I don't remember anything from kindergarten. I don't remember anything else. Like, but because of how trauma memories work, those are very vivid. That's crazy. Your mom placed so much importance on kindergarten, but it was far less memorable than the uh, almost near-death experience that she put you through. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? Your mom's power. (laughs) (laughs) We should call this episode something about power. It's going to happen. Your mom's power. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, so my mom actually did do a really wonderful thing here because she's a therapist. Um, she said, whoa, yeah, my mom is a therapist. Oh, we need to unpack that. I mean, like I said, we're going to come back to really unpacking my mom. We're going through early Izzy trauma and then we're going to get into like the crazy trauma of my family. Because that's real fun. The near-death experience just needed to kind of, like, happen first, and then we can, like, talk more about the craziness. Buckle up, listeners. Yeah, buckle up. It gets worse. (gasps) Like, nearly dying at five is, like, something I consider one of, like, the least traumatic things in my life. I don't know about you, listeners, but I'm wet. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. So... My mom asked that I get a therapist, somebody to help me cope with the trauma. At what age? At five, while I was still in the hospital. Because it's a lot for a five-year-old to unpack. So I met Jill Madsen Kelly, who was my first therapist, and I loved her. I loved her so much. She was literally, I saw her 
semi-regularly from the time I was in the hospital until I was in the fifth grade, like 10 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, sometimes it would only be, like, once every couple months. There were times where I was visiting more frequently, but, like... She became, like, a very important person in my life. She once visited my school and, like, came to a class and, like, you know, did, like, a visitor day with me. Like, she helped me navigate childhood in a way that my mother never could. So do you think that you see her as, like, a supplemental mother figure? Absolutely not, no. I see her as, like, just, like one of the myriad people who helped like form me into what I am. And also in a lot of ways, she was one of those people who helped me survive my mother. And there were a lot of them. One of them most obviously being my father. He helped me survive my mother greatly. Um, One of the big things that started coming up is I got these really bad anger management issues. Like, full-blown temper tantrums, like screaming, yelling, breaking things. I have a broken blood vessel on my cheek from when I screamed so loud it like ruptured veins in my face and it's still there. I have scars from breaking windows. Like I... I'm pretty sure there's a Marvel movie about this. Yeah, no, that sounds very (laughs) X-Men. I don't really watch the X-Men. I know what the X-Men are. I just haven't watched the movies as religiously as I have others. Captain America's so hot. Wow, that was the most generic answer you could have possibly given to the question nobody asked. I know, but I just... I just... your favorite X-Men character names off any Marvel character? <laughs> I don't know the X-Men as well. But anyway, so I was very angry, and my mom didn't know how to handle that. She, like, told me very frequently that um, you're, you're going to love this. Are you ready? She told me very frequently that I stopped her from being the parent she wanted to be since I was such a difficult child. I took away her opportunity to be a good mother. Have you seen the movie The Babadook? No. Bitch, that's the whole movie right there. (laughs) That is the whole last movie. Add a supernatural spirit that's trying to kill you, and that's the movie. I think that 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 says so much about your mother, because part of parenthood (laughs) is being able to, I suppose, adapt to your child. You know, adapting to your child's needs and how to be the best parent you can be for them. And for her to say something like that to you, like, you prevented me from being the mom that I wanted to be. Like, that just... And that was my whole life. Apparently, even as an infant, I did that because I was colicky. That's another way for her to just deflect her own failures as a parent onto you. She can't take any responsibility for her own actions. She's, like, physically capable. I, like, genuinely don't think she knows, and I don't think she has any awareness of the fact that she is deflecting responsibility at every step of the way. Um, Also, around five years old, I got an IQ test. And the most important part about that IQ test is that I was a few points less than my mom. I'd like a few points. But we'd also not. First of all, IQ tests are bullshit. Second of all, I was tested at five. My mother was tested as an adult. (laughs) But the rest of my life, my mother was, oh, you're so smart. You're so smart. But I'm smarter. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Yikes, that's... uh. Yeah, so I was expected to be 
the perfect epitome of the child that she needed me to be so she could be revengeful to her parents. But I also couldn't surpass her. I couldn't be better than her because her ego couldn't handle it. That's really, really funny. I have similar experiences with that. Um, It's very unsettling for insecure parents when their children are better despite them. Not better because of them, but better despite them. Because they know it. They won't admit it, but they know it. And it brings them so much frustration and anger that it just bleeds into other places of their parenting. So, I mean, you you saying that is just very, very real. Very, very real. I'm sure a lot of people will be able to relate to that. I know that I'm not, like, unique in that experience. Um, Do we want to dive into my literally sociopathic grandmother? I don't know. It's your interview. (laughs) Tell me what you want to tell me. Why are you so sassy today? Wait, okay. So, which grandparent is this? This is my mom's mother. Okay. The one who had her at 21. That's just the statement of fact. We'd already talked about it. Tell us more. Okay, so my first conscious memory is being three years old and hiding in the bathroom at my grandmother's house with my mom while my grandmother tried to physically break down the door to physically harm us. That is my first memory. Why? Um, I asked my mom and she thinks it's because... I wasn't, I was wearing pull-ups still. At three? Yeah. I wasn't potty trained until I was like four and a half. Yeah, my mom thought, she, my mom was basing off of a parenting book. She wanted like me to kind of start the conversation about like potty training and let it be like child-led, which like I think is great. Like I'm all for that. Um, my grandmother disagreed and she, my grandmother is... Uh, she has narcissistic personality disorder, borderline, with homicidal tendencies. Oh, that's fuck, that's hot. Her, like, diagnosis, um, she has tried to kill multiple people. Um, she's very manipulative. She's very smart. It's 100% why my mom became a therapist. Your mom is a therapist? Babe, we did we this. this. <laughs> we just did we this. We did this. We said... We just did this, but we could do it again. Yeah, we my mom's a therapist. This. Just hurt my honey. this is the third time I've said it, but yes, my mom's a therapist. What are your notes over there? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It still shocks me. Okay, curious question. Has your grandmother succeeded in killing anyone that you know of? Not that I know of. Would you Usually, be surprised? No, I would not be surprised. <gasps> do you think that she may have possibly killed... Carol Baskin's husband. I would not be surprised if they were friends. That would make sense to me. Um, I could see that for them. My grandmother always had somebody to stop her from killing people. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I just killed Michael. <laughs> I wish I had someone in my life to stop me from killing people. That's love. 
that's 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 true love that's really true love so good then going back to the memory that you had as a three-year-old of your grandmother trying to break down the door like who stopped her the door she wasn't strong enough to break down the door was she small she was slim but she was tall Hmm. she had very she was beautiful she had very long red hair so from a redhead she was a redhead natural um originally that's why she was like that i know (laughs) yeah it's also probably why i really don't like redheads so then from god the first five years of your life you've already dealt through so much trauma and experience and life changing events so going forward do you think that well inevitably it must have shaped your experiences going forward it completely there's also a zen philosophy that every so every seven years the cells in your body die and regenerate every seven years you technically have a new body in zen every seven years is a new lifetime so we're talking about the first seven years of my life i've had two major spiritual experiences my entire life has been filled with fear because of my grandmother I'm under already massive amounts of pressure to be perfect and to behave correctly. I'm having anger management issues and seeing a therapist and, oh, yeah. Oh, and I almost died. Um, And this is the first seven years of my life. Did you ever feel the need to, I suppose, live up to the expectation or impress Constantly. Hmm. There was this constant cycle my entire life with my mom of okay, fine, I'll try really hard to be a good girl. And then inevitably failing because perfection is not possible. And also because like, I do not have the personality my mom wanted in a child. Like that's just like a fact. And I don't have any like feelings anyway about that. It's just the facts. I'm loud. I'm big. I talk a lot. I, you know, laugh loudly. I show my emotions. You laugh too loud. (laughs) I was heckled at a park by a homeless man, and he said I laughed too loud. He wasn't wrong. I wasn't there, but he wasn't wrong. It's not wrong. Miles can attest that my laugh probably bursts his eardrums on the regular. Okay, so... So I was not the child she wanted. So I go through this cycle of like, okay, I'm going to try. I'll try to get good grades. I'll try to use I statements instead of crying and showing my emotions and screaming. Because I wasn't allowed to show my emotions. We could only use I statements because we're intellectual people being raised by a therapist and we're only allowed to use I statements. We can only say, I feel sad because of X, Y, Z. We weren't allowed to cry about it and scream about it and be sad about it. Crying's therapeutic. I cry at least one once a day. Probably probably sometimes twice a day. Yeah, yeah, I I cry a lot. I feel like I shed a lot of my water weight um, by crying. I wish I could cry. Thanks to this like upbringing with my mom. Now when I feel big emotions, I get like like I literally have to go throw up because oh I like God, stuff I mean. them down so much. And now I like don't know how to show my emotions. I mean, that's like crying, but like with your stomach. It's a lot less healthy and I don't feel any sort of release. So this is where catharsis meditation is very important. Um, so then anyway, let's let's roll back a little bit. Are we going back to? Yeah. So your first memory of your of your life and also with your grandmother is her possibly probably trying to murder you for wearing pull ups. Correct. Um, how the fuck did that shape your relationship going forward? This is where it gets fun. 
My grandmother was extremely emotionally and abusive to my mom. Mm -hmm. And she did something also that's called covert sexual abuse. She didn't actually Mm. physically touch my mom in inappropriate ways, but she would do things that are sexually inappropriate to warp her sense of sex. Like graphically describing the sex that she was having with my grandfather to my mom. Or my mom would have a date and my grandmother would go sleep with the boy beforehand and then tell her about it in like explicit detail, um, showing her her naked body at like an inappropriate age or any age. You don't need to see your mom naked. Um, And then my grandmother continued that cycle with me. What the fuck? So on top of being, my grandmother was also, according to her, and she is not a reliable narrator, she was sexually assaulted by her father. I mean, yeah, sure, that tracks. But like, wow. Cycle of abuse, people. Um, So yeah, so yeah. Trigger warning. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we hella skipped that. I haven't even gotten to the rapes. Um, (laughs) Plural? Yeah. Like I said, death was not the worst thing that's happened in my life. So my mom had a very terrible childhood with my grandmother. I Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And so my mom, who's a, like I would like to remind the audience, is smarter than me, according to our IQ tests. She thought that it would be a wonderful idea for my grandmother to play an integral role in my upbringing. This sounds like the movie Hereditary. But like, oh my god, it fucking does. I haven't but seen nobody's it. lost their head quite yes. yet. Well, I am, but (laughs) metaphorically. So, yeah. So, she decided that my grandmother should play an important role in my upbringing. I spent a lot of time with her. We spent all holidays with her. Um, She would do things like I was allergic to dairy. I was not lactose intolerant. I was allergic to dairy. It's a whole other thing. But anyway. Um, And so, she would... As soon as my mom would drop me off, she would give me ice cream and cheese and all the things my parents wouldn't let me have because it made me sick. Um... And then, so of course, these are all the things I loved that my parent, my mean parents wouldn't give me. So I wanted to spend time with my grandmother. I liked her more. That's really manipulative. It's manipulative is like the number one word I would use to describe my mother and my grandmother. My grandmother and my mother also frequently told me, verbally told me that my power as a woman is that I can let men have sex with me, that I can say yes to men having sex with me and get men to have sex with me and that was something that it was ingrained in me from a very young age do you think that your grandmother and your mother used you as a way to prove something to each other 100 percent, yes my grandmother's goal like literal goal was she wanted to go to court and get custody of me so she was essentially grooming me my whole life to be like her. She wanted me to be manipulative like her. She didn't want me to feel emotions like her. She didn't want me to like, she wanted me to be just like her. She and wanted she, to create other psychopaths? Yeah, she literally wanted me to be a sociopath like her. And, um, okay. and so according to my mother, she picked me out of the grandchildren to do this with because I was already kind of like her. Hereditary. It was already, I was already kind of like that. She, so good. She saw me as the weak link that she could break down because I was already so much like her. That's crazy because I see you as one of the most powerful people I've ever met. Thank you. 
Um, hopefully, it's not because I'm a manipulative bitch. So no, that's just like <laughs> side piece that yeah. I'm into. <laughs> um, so it was very just victim blamey of my mother to be like, oh yeah, she targeted you the most because you like let it happen is essentially what she was saying is like she targeted you the most because you were the most susceptible you already had the traits like her you already were kind of like her and that's why she targeted you and it there was no conversation about the fact that my mother took me there once a month to spend the weekend there was no conversations about the fact that Marilyn was allowed my grandmother's name was Marilyn um was allowed to spend so much time in my life and that my mother was the one that allowed that so again we see the oh yeah so it is the summer before sixth grade and apparently my mother has through a series of what i feel are arbitrary things because everything my grandmother did was crazy through a series oh my grandmother was also married to a man who had a porn addiction and would like play porn while we were in the house he also had a gambling addiction and a drinking addiction but those are like separate things so eventually for arbitrary reasons my mother decides okay my kids can't go over to Marilyn's house oh I should mention I have a baby brother he's seven years younger than me wait okay so how does this relate to Marilyn I just realized I said children and that I hadn't clarified that I have a sibling so now she's like okay this is probably a bad idea yeah I think it's because my little brother was born and my little brother was the child my mom wanted. He was more pliant. He was kinder. He was softer. He's more empathetic. I'm more hard angles. He's more soft. Um, She could be the mother she wanted with him. So. So she needed to protect him from her mother. He came back from a trip with them when he was three and apparently cried for hours. Um, them being who? Them, my grandmother and my, I called him Napa because he was younger than my mom and calling him grandpa felt weird for everybody. So I called them Nana and Napa. Younger than your mom? He, my grandparents. So my grandfather, my biological grandfather and my grandmother got divorced when my mom was in her 20s. And then my grandmother remarried a man who was younger than my mom by five years. Oh, okay. Well, it's not. That's well, the that's age gap bad. is twenty years, because yeah, twenty years. Yeah, because my grandmother was twenty-one when she had my mom, and she married a man five years younger than my mom. Oh well. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> so. Um, Sawyer, my baby brother, comes back from a trip with my grandma sobbing. I think this is what starts my mom being like, okay, maybe the kids shouldn't be over there anymore. Maybe the kids aren't all right. Yeah, (laughs) we're not okay. Um, and so my mom sends a letter saying, you know, like, oh, you have to, I, I don't remember it all. It was all very complicated and honestly was very dramatic on both ends. My mom felt like the victim, like she was being attacked by my grandmother. But I also think my mom went about it in a very dramatic way. There was a point where I was at choir camp. And my grandmother, who at this point was not allowed to see us, came in and tried to get me to leave with her. And I was like hiding from her. 
and she ended up refusing to leave the parking lot so we had to leave and I was very disappointed because it was supposed to be my first solo so I didn't get to sing my first solo and what ended up would have been my only opportunity to do so um, in my years in this choir Um, and we ended up leaving and this was not the first time that my grandmother attempted to kidnap me so essentially what happened is my mom said okay you can't see the kids unsupervised anymore and my grandmother freaked out because she's a narcissist and they don't handle being told rules well and so my grandmother's response was like but I always wanted Isabel and so she would regularly attempt to kidnap me so for about a year my mom was trying to get a restraining order and during that year my grandmother would do things like drive in circles around our block so I wasn't allowed to play outside and If anybody knows me, you can imagine that me not being able to be outside for a year was like the worst fucking thing anybody could do to me. Like, I need to be outside. And I've always been that way. That's like where I played. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, I was 10. But yeah, I needed to go outside and play in this big, beautiful yard we had. Um, So we eventually get the restraining order. But it's a whole year of my mom. My mom stopped eating. She lost a shit ton of weight. She'd always been overweight, but she lost so much weight because she just like couldn't eat. She wouldn't talk to any of us. She would spend all of her time in her bedroom by herself, just like emotionally going through a lot of shit, which like is reasonable. Like she was, you know, leaving her mother as much as we were leaving our grandmother. But it just meant that my dad and I were kind of left to try to like take care of my brother And my dad was still working. He was a truck driver. He was gone a lot. Like, and so it fell on me, a 10-year-old, to try to help take care of my three-year-old brother, which didn't go well because, like I said, I had anger management issues and I was dealing with my life falling apart, what felt like my whole life falling apart. And you were also a child. I was also 10. Um, I was a 10-year-old whose life was ending. Living in fear, my mom being unavailable, and everyone around me being scared and angry all the time. Hello friends, Editor Miles here. This week's episode is part one of a three-part episode, so stay tuned in the coming weeks for the rest of the interview. Thanks for listening. Would you like to be our next guest? Email us at bemybeardpodcast at gmail.com. Give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, and let us know what you'd like to hear. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bemybeardpodcast. Theme by the marvelous Wayne Jetski. We'd also like to give a special thanks to Miles Mitchell, our lovely editor. We would like to give a fabulous thank you to Quinn Lighting, our new social media manager. Welcome to the team. All rights reserved. We would like to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on this journey. Follow your heart. And be the best you can be.